Support for today's Heat Treat radio episode is provided by the Heat Treat Buyer's Guide. Use the free online directory to find Heat Treat service and product providers near you. Go to www.heatreatbuyersguide.com. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. Glad to have you tuning in via video or audio at heattreattoday.com. Today, we're meeting another Heat Treat legend, Suresh Jawar, who is the former president of GM Enterprises. Doug Glenn, Heat Treat Radio host and Heat Treat Today publisher, will be asking him how he became a legend in Heat Treat and what words of advice he can offer us on how to be a good heat treater and an excellent leader. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone. This is uh, Doug Glenn once again with Heat Treat Today uh, with the great honor of talking with another Heat Treat legend. Uh, this Today we're going to meet with Mr. Suresh Duar, who was very instrumental in the founding of a vacuum heat treating company and other experiences. I'll let him tell some of that story. But first off, Suresh, thank you so much. It's really, really nice to have you with us. Thank you. You are welcome. Uh, I want you. I want to have you spend a little bit of time just telling people about your some of your work background. Like, where did you start? How did you get in this industry? And you know, just briefly, where you where you where you went, and what you ended up doing. So I came to United States in 1962 and attended Market University in Milwaukee. I, gradu- I graduated with Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering and MBA in Marketing. After that, in 1970, I started at Ipsen Industries as a senior project engineer okay. for the vacuum furnaces. And within a year, I was promoted to the position of manager engineering services. Mm-hmm. And soon after that, I was promoted to the director of heavy equipment division handling large and complex projects. Mr. Wesley Cable, who was a senior vice president of Ipsen Industries, inspired me and was very helpful in my career growth. He appreciated that I was hardworking and talented in performing well to challenges and did all that was possible for meeting difficult deadlines. He, He, when my car had a problem, he even loaned me his Cadillac to go back and forth to the work. So that's about briefly how I got into the vacuum furnace. Gotcha. So that was was with Ipsen. And so you started with Ipsen and... Roughly what year did you start with Ipsen? I know you said it entered into 1970, and I left them in 1982. Okay, okay. And where was Ipsen at that time? Were they? Rockford, Illinois, and they are still Rockford. Okay, good. So where after Ipsen? Where did you go? Well, I was very happy, and we had almost 400 people in Rockford. Okay. And there were about 300 in Germany. And <clears throat> I was doing good. You know, there were two vice presidents and a president. And then after that, I was part of that management team. So I yeah. was in the top five people at Ipsen and driving the company in cost savings 
improving products, customer relations. And I was very happy. Yeah. But I was contacted by ABAR, recruited by ABAR. Okay. And uh, I was not interested, but I, I thought, let's go and see. Yeah. So I had <clears throat> close to five interviews with them up to the chairman of King Fifth Wheel, and they offered me the job. I always wanted a position where I could run the entire operation. Yeah. Ibsen was also considering that kind of a uh, growth for me, but they said it'll take three to five years, I, and I was not patient enough. So when ABAR position came, a plus, it doubled my compensation. There you go. Yeah. So I took that challenge and I went to ABAR. My boss, John Henry, when he stepped into my office, I said, John, you guys screwed me. Yeah. He said, what do you mean? I said, you know, I came from a nice company and you have a, such a bad company here. <laughs> but I'm very excited now because any idiot can improve upon this thing. <laughs> I'm sure you made him feel real good about that. And I was asked by John Henry, then the president of ABAR, to write a justification. And I was in uh, Montre in LA, uh, California, attending a management seminar, you know, how to be effective manager. And I was, they don't let you get any phone calls, et cetera, but there was emergency, John Henry was calling. He said, I met with Ibsen people. Can you write why it makes a sense for Ibsen and ABAR together? So in the night, I had a nice room with a fireplace. I opened a wine bottle and I wrote 30 pages in all caps, handwritten. And next morning, I overnighted that to uh, John Henry. And that's where this started. Yeah. So during merger, John Henry was a uh, Harvard MBA. And uh, he was not happy where he was, so he was looking for jobs. I know he had resumes out, but he couldn't find one. And when this situation came, and I was supposed to take over, when this opportunity came, then I was the odd man. Uh, okay, okay. You wrote the justification, and then you, yeah. got, you got booted. Yeah. So... For a year and a half, I did a few projects. You know, I worked with Guler in Germany. Okay. He was a flaky guy. Then I went with Sauter in Houston. Yeah, Sauter. I used yeah. to, I, every weekend, I used to fly back and forth. I had an apartment. And at Sauter, in less than a year, we sold three vacuum furnaces. Uh -huh. But I was not happy. They were doing $5 million and losing a million dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it did not fit my objective. And then a customer here, Continental Heat Treat, their yeah. president uh, put me in contact with uh, Keith Greer. 
Keith Greer. Yep. When yeah. Keith. Yep. So that's how you know we met together. And in the beginning, I wanted one hundred ten thousand dollars a year. They offered me fifty five thousand. <laughs> okay, only fifty percent. Yeah. So initially, I said no. I went away. Yeah. Yeah. But later, when things did not go well at Sodder, or or I didn't like the company, I said, and and Vina pushed me. I said, take it. So I came down, joined them, and they say, "How much?" I said, "Your number." Okay. And so we put together, and uh, and then we drove GM and was a break-even company. Okay. So, so, so let, 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 I want to I want to interject because I just want to get a few names for people straight because you and I know who these people are, but others might. You you met first off. We mentioned Keith Greer. Was right. Keith at that time? He was one of the owners of GM. GM existed at that time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And did. he had a partner, Mac McGuire. Okay, so that's the G and the M of GM Enterprises. That's correct. Right. Okay, and then you mentioned Vina, which. You and I know who that is, you especially, but we got to mention that's your wife. So as you said, Vina was pushing you to go ahead and take the uh, uh, the job. So just wanted to make that clear. So, okay, that's so correct. go ahead. So you decided and to take the uh, take the position at GM, so to speak. Yeah, as a partner with a 15% interest. Okay. And then later I bought McGuire out within a year. Okay. And then he was out and then Keith and I were the partners. Right. What what year was that? What year was that, Suresh? Do you remember? 1987. So 1987, you entered in and basically started taking ownership or took ownership portion of ownership with uh, yeah. with GM. 87. Okay, very good. Yeah. And you know, Keith was a nice guy, good friend, and very good with customers. And he was a good service tech. Yeah. So I helped in developing the product line, but. Keith wanted orders and, you know, we could not make money. Uh-huh. So we were kind of a break-even company. So I was tired. And so I went to Keith. I said, either you buy, you buy me out. He says, no. He says, I have a first right. You buy me out. Yeah. So we thought, and he wanted too much money which I could not afford. Mm -hmm. So for six months, I dragged my feet and I was losing interest. Then I went back and I said, okay, I accept. Uh -huh. So in 2005, I took the total ownership. Got it, got it. And, and changed the name from uh, Greer Jawar Industries to Jawar Industries doing business as GM. Uh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, I didn't, didn't, had not heard that, uh, hadn't heard that official business name. So yes. gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we'll, that's enough to let us know at least where you are. So people, people know right off that, that, uh, Suresh is the, basically the, the owner was the owner because recently, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. G, GM enterprises is no longer, uh, owned by Suresh uh, actually owned now by, by Nitrex, but, but let's let's do this. I want to move on to the next question. Okay. Uh, 
in your in your years, let's say, as you were starting to either get involved with the industry or as you were uh, in the industry, can you think of um, one or more people, maybe just one, at least one person, but maybe two people that had a significant impact on you that maybe encouraged you in the industry? Yeah, one was Wesley Cable, mm-hmm. who was a senior vice president and the president of Ibsen, less Senate. And then the next president was, I'm trying to remember his name. He was very supportive of me, Lou Clay. Okay, okay, good. And these guys all were just an encouragement to you in the sense of, hey, get out there and do it, or how were they, how were they encouraging? They, they like the way I approach with people, the business, customers, hardworking, meeting mm-hmm. goals. Yeah. So I was number one choice for them. Yeah, nice, nice, very good, very good. So when you look back, Suresh, over your career, do you uh, can you think in your mind what might've been the top two or three major accomplishments? That you've, yeah. uh, that you've done? At Ibsen, I became technical assistant to the president mm-hmm. and traveled with him extensively to Poland. Okay. In Romania. I was 10 times visited Poland in less than two years, every other huh. month. Huh. Yeah. What, no, and, I'm just curious, why Poland? What was, it, what was there, do you recall? For the steel mill and the, annealing of silicon steel uh, coils for the transformer steel. Okay, gotcha. <clears throat> Prior to that, at Ibsen, we sold eight furnaces to Armco Steel in Middletown, Ohio. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there was a large project of 10 furnaces. And remember that that time, Ibsen was doing only 12 or 13 million and that project was like a six or $7 million project. So we, we finally, <clears throat> I mean, president and vice president were handling the commercial aspect. But before that, you have to convince the technical people that you have a right product and right solution. And that was my task. And then Ibsen was, um, successful in booking the order for 10 large car bottom furnaces. They were 84 inch wide by 45 inches high by 32 feet long. Furnaces were made in four sections, bolted. And at the same time, Ibsen was also working on the license agreement with Alterma. Which later became Seco Warwick. So I was assisting the president and the vice president on the technical side of yeah. this license agreement. And that was also signed. Yeah. I also brought Westman Engineering from India, Calcutta, uh-huh. as a sales agent for Ibsen. Okay. And later, after I left, it became joint venture. And eventually, Ibsen now established a manufacturing base in India, wholly owned by Ibsen. So 
it was started with me by bringing Westman Engineering into the position. Okay, interesting. Under my leadership with a period of three years, Abar grew to 29 million and had a very, very good profit. Yeah. And that's where Abar Ibsen came to a merger. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So, I mean, to me, that those there's a couple of good things there. I mean, one, you were involved with the involved one of the major accomplishments is that merger between Abar and Ibsen, which was yeah. which is great. Uh, yeah, and but you know, we you should mention the uh, the the success you've had with GM as well. I mean, GM Enterprises that's got to be a, a, one of your top. Yeah, one of your so top. In 80, uh, 87, I joined GM as a minority partner. At that yeah. time, GM Enterprise was doing around 1.8 million annually and yeah. was break-even company. Yeah. In 2005, I acquired total ownership of GM and brought in Veena Jawar as director of supply chain and to oversee, manage the operation while I was concentrating on developing customer yeah. base and innovating state-of-the-art vacuum furnaces with superior hard zone designs and construction. Yeah. By 2018, GM became a leading supplier to GE all yeah. over the all over the world, from Singapore to Japan and to Brazil. Yeah. Pratt Whitney, Rolls-Royce, Bodycoat France, Precision Cast Parts, PCC, US Air Force, and DLA, to name a few. I yeah. was also instrumental in developing the MIM furnace. Okay, the MIM, proud, yeah. And proud to say that I developed a strong relationship with the founder and the chairman of Indomim. Okay. And at that time, they had only five people in their group. Today, they have over 3,500 people. Huh. What, what was the name of the company again, Suresh? Indomim. In Indo Mim, yeah, uh, I N D O, yeah, Indo Dash Mim. Okay, gotcha. Call it Indo Mim USA. Okay, gotcha. Hmm. And uh, then about five years back, they established a U.S. division because it came that customers in USA wanted U.S. made things, so they they took the space from Kelly Air Force Base in San Antonio. I don't remember how many square feet it was, 40,000 square feet building, and ordered two furnaces for their US plant. And by then we already put 13 furnaces in India. And I think last year, GM got ordered for three more furnaces and before I left, as when I was working as a consultant, sold two furnaces and then wrote a multi-year contract. On that basis, they bought three more. So they have well over 20 furnaces in India and about five furnaces in USA. And these are good size. They are 36 by 30 by 84 inch long. Yeah, I, I believe in MIM industry, these are the biggest furnaces. And now Indo-MIM is the world's largest supplier 
before you know PCT in uh, I try to remember their MIM company in uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, that's the company with whom Indomim signed a license agreement, joint venture, and then they uh, separated. When we return, Suresh will talk about his time at GM and how work and personal life relate to one another. But first, let me take one minute to offer you advice from our sponsor, the Heat Treat Buyer's Guide. Use this guide to find amazing North American heat treat providers of services, equipment, and related products. The super simple search tool allows you to browse by category or just search by a product or company name. HeatTreatBuyersGuide.com helps to streamline your purchases and expenses so you can maintain excellent results in your heat treat shop. Go to www.HeatTreatBuyersGuide.com to start searching today. Again, that's www.HeatTreatBuyersGuide.com. Now back to the episode. So I want to talk about I want to talk about GM just a little bit. I want to I want you to speculate okay. speculate a little bit. So I mean, GM Enterprises. Uh, you know, obviously one of the, one of your, one of your great accomplishments, if you ask me, what, what do you think it was that made GM as successful as it was? I mean, if you were to look back on it now, what do you, what do you think were the keys to making it so successful? So, you know, during my career, I learned that in order to have a certified customer base, it is very important to have a talented, dedicated, and happy staff. Yeah. What I believe is it's a happy, 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 happy employee, happy customer, happy bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> happy bottom line. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, so in any business, it's very important to listen to customers' requirements, rather than just throw what you have in your basket and offer innovative solutions. I mean, listen you know, very important. It's very important that customers feel that they were critical part of the solution. The other very important aspect of business is aftermarket customer service and GM developed a high level of customer support and timely, on timely basis. You know, at other places, if a customer has a warranty problem or has a problem, they called the home office and the first thing the people say, give us a PO. But listen, at General Electric, Pratt Whitney, these guys cannot issue a PO. So we used to jump on a plane, we go and take care as GM. After solving the problem, we say, customer, you know, you screwed this thing up. You got to pay us. I'll say half of the customers, they pay full charge. 25 to 30% people, they split the cost. 10, 15% says, screw you. So, so it was a good average. That, that was one of the key differences between us and other furnace suppliers. Yeah. So your point is you just immediately responded. Let's get out and fix the problem. Then we can talk about terms later. Yeah. So just imagine for $5,000, half a million dollar or three quarter million dollar equipment is down. Yeah. So it's not good. No. Yeah. No. So you go and take care. So that's how you develop a good customer loyalty. Right, yeah. right. That they can depend on you. I'm pretty sure that we are the highest 
bottom line in the industry. Yeah, could very we well the, be. We had the highest at Ipsen when I was there. It was the highest at ABAR and then at GM. Yeah. Well, I'm starting to see a trend here, Suresh. It's every place you've gone. If you didn't, if you weren't making a happy bottom line, it was an issue. You you yeah. you like the happy bottom line. <laughs> yeah, I say happy, happy, happy. Yeah, happy, happy, happy. You bet. Yep. You then I it. had a then I had a song. In Muslim religion, they raise their hand up. Yeah. They say, "Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar," and I used to say. By GM, by GM, <laughs> by GM. That sounds good to me. <laughs> That's a good mantra right there. Good mantra. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you, looking back, looking back on your career, which is how many years you would you say you've been in the industry? Over 50. Over 50. All right. So looking back on your 50 years, let's yeah. say, given your experience, what are what are the top what, what's the top one or two lessons that you've learned? Uh, yeah, I guess that's the main question. What what are the top you know what what would what do you wish you would have known when you first started that you know now? Well, what I know now that's what we practice: respecting employees and yeah. rewarding them for their contribution is the fundamental recipe for success. Yeah. We always treated our employees as a family member and gave them due respect for their contribution. Yeah. With, with the right and dedicated employees, it's very easy to provide quality and timely support to its customers. Yeah. Customers yeah. felt very comfortable when they call even after 10 years that they were talking to the same highly knowledgeable staff in business continuity is very important. And customers said that when they call our competition, every two or three years, they're talking to new people. Somebody new. New. So that was very important. Yeah. Yeah. So maintaining good people basically is the yeah. point here, right? For consistency, yeah. it helps, certainly helps with efficiency internally, but on the customer facing thing, it's, it's very good because your people are Very consistent. comfortable. Very comfortable. Yeah. You know, I used to go late in the morning, 10 o'clock or so to work. Yeah. Then I stayed till six or seven. Many days, the guy in parts, which is Steve, was still working. Still working at six or seven. Yeah. And you didn't have to ask them. Right. Right. Well, they, you know, if they find a good work environment, they're happy to stay and they're happy to work, yeah. which is, which is good. All right, so let me ask you this question. Were there any disciplines in your life, things that you did? Again, this doesn't have to be work-related so much, although it probably has a, a you know, positive impact on your work. Were there any disciplines in your life that you developed that were, that were very helpful to you, that were helpful to you in, in advancing your career, your life, your happiness? See, one was to meet deadlines. Since I was moving so fast in the organization from one position to another, a lot of people developed jealousy. So we used to have a production control meeting. I was given the task by the president to 
design and manufacture tube and shell heat exchanger. Yeah, and you could buy them outside, but he was bent on making in house. So I was given the project. And like today being say Wednesday at eight o'clock, we are having a production control meeting. And I did not do anything and all the drawings were due tomorrow, Thursday. So in production control meeting, people laughed at me because they were looking at throwing darts at me. In a way they were saying in a calm voice, son of a bitch, he puts pressure on us, but he doesn't do his own job. Yeah. Do you know, I never went home. And next day I was supposed to go on a trip. I had a 10 o'clock flight from O'Hare. I worked through the night at 7.30 when the engineering clerk came, I gave him all the drawings, bill of material, and left for O'Hare and took a, took a nap in the plane. So, so the, the, what I'm trying to convey, meeting deadlines and commitment to me always number one. Yeah, good. No, no, no excuses. Yeah, get it done. Get it done when you say you're gonna get it done. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's good. And that helps you to expect from other people when they see you, that you do that, they follow. Yeah, yeah, right, right. They know you've got it. You've got a platform to stand on when you're talking to them about doing the same thing. Then that's good. Correct. So, so you just you just talked about a very interesting situation where you work through the night to get something done. So this kind of sets up for the next question, and that is, how did you, Suresh Jawar, how did you handle the work life balance? Or or was or, or was there no work life balance? Was it all work? You know, it was difficult when I was at Avar mm -hmm. because I took a big responsibility. Yeah. And I was traveling internationally quite often. So I missed a lot of family functions of children in their uh -huh. school. And then finally, when Andy was getting an award at his high school, I was coming from Europe, either Poland or someplace, and the plane comes to Chicago and I have to change. And the flight was late, uh -huh. so I missed my connection. Yeah. So now it became difficult how to get to Philadelphia to attend that award ceremony for my son. Yeah, yeah. So I called Vina. I said, you guys go ahead. And I don't know whether I'll make it or not. Mm -hmm. I went from one airlines to another airlines and it was snowing. I got in a plane, I reached Philadelphia airport the time when the program started, but I was at the school at the right moment when Andy's name was called, I was, <laughs> I was yeah. there. That's great. That is great. Yeah. Well, you do what you can, you know, yeah. you got to get there. So, and you've got what, two children, correct? You and yeah. I have talked about this before, Andy yeah. and, and Sherry. Sh yeah, right, 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 right. 
if you can look back on your career again, what was the most memorable experience that you've had? Either a highlight or or most memorable thing that happened to you. So at GM, it was easy because Veena and I worked together. Yes, yes. So so it was pretty balanced that we, we were both workaholic and uh, had the same goals. Yeah. So it was much easier compared to other places, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So coming back to that, <clears throat> see, I was an average student in India. Okay. I mean, a B, B, B student or so. Mm -hmm. And my parents didn't want me to leave India. But I was interested. I, I researched UK, Germany, and USA. Mm -hmm. I found that in UK and Germany, it would take me four to five years to get a Bachelor of Science in Engineering. Okay. And the cost was half of USA. Mm -hmm. But in USA, I could do it in two years. The reason is I already had a Bachelor of Science in, from India. So they were giving me advanced credit. So I started as a sophomore. Okay. So I did my undergraduate mechanical engineering in two years here. So two-year cost was the same as four or five years in UK and USA. Okay. So I used to go to US library, do this. My parents didn't support, but I went and went and got my passport, got visa. And I was determined. And I landed in 1962 to USA. Yeah. Did that answer the question? That, yes, I think so. What was the highlight most memorable? Yep. That, that is the most memorable highlight, yeah. Yeah. Coming to the USA, that's good. And, yeah. and, and achieving it, even though your, your parents weren't necessarily fully on board. That's, that's good. And, and the other thing is highlighting is Before marriage, when Veena and I met many times, Veena had rejected more than like over 20 people. Okay. <laughs> and even she told me no. But she said, you have to tell it to my father because I cannot say that I'm rejecting you. Yeah. Because they are tired of me. <laughs> okay. So when she saw, she was surprised when I said, okay, I will tell. Yeah. And when the other boys, they would not leave her. So, so that brought us together. And then in front of my father, I was a very shy guy. Uh-huh. Don't speak much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In front of your father or in front of her my, father? My, my father. Your father. Okay. Yeah. And she, she thought after marriage, what kind of a guy he is. <laughs> so timid, so timid. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, then when we got in a plane, first I ordered two scotch. <laughs> and she saw me entirely different. <laughs> there you go. All of a sudden you had loose lips, as they say. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that was another highlight. That's great. That's great. All right. So last question for you, Suresh. I appreciate it. If you were to give some of the young people in the industry a little advice, yeah. what what would you give them? As a, as I could say this as a as a fellow old timer in the industry, what would you, what would you say to them? One is the most important thing is treat your employees like you'll treat yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I worked at GM or any other places. I didn't work as being the boss or on a high platform. Yeah. I worked shoulder to shoulder to them. Yeah. And they didn't find any difference. So that gained their trust. Yeah. So I trusted them, they trusted. So that is very important to, a business cannot succeed unless you have people, right people and dedicated. Yeah, well, Suresh, thank you very much. I appreciate your, uh, appreciate the time that that, uh, you spent with us. I know a lot of the young people, I know personally, you're one of the guys, I'm, I'm not quite as old as you, but you're one of the guys who is always very positive and encouraging to me. Uh, even though you insulted me a lot in the, in the... <laughs> that, that was in a friend, friendly manner. Friendly manner. Oh, sure, sure. Now you yeah. say that. I mean, yeah. I, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't stop anybody on the street and insult them. <laughs> yeah, you know, not just anybody. You'll yeah, pick yeah. out only it's the only best. Two, only two uh, friends. Uh, uh, that's right. No, no. Yeah. So on a more serious note, I, I have appreciated your encouragement over the years. You, you're a. Uh, uh, a good friend and a uh, and a person who's always been encouraging. So I appreciate that. And thanks for your time today. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode with Suresh Jawar. Heat Treat Radio is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and the website www.heatreattoday.com forward slash radio. If you'd like to get in contact with Suresh, reach out to me and I can put you in touch. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. Do you have a new or interesting idea that you want to hear discussed on Heat Treat Radio? If so, let me know. Also, if you'd like to sponsor a future episode, let me know at bethany at heattreattoday.com. By the way, Heat Treat Today publishes eight print magazines for the North American heat treat industry each year. In each magazine, you can learn more about heat treating through technical content and expert insight columns. Stay up to date on news and industry trends across automotive, medical, and energy heat treat and sign up to receive these free editions this fall and winter. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank the Heat Treat Buyer's Guide for sponsoring this episode. Heat Treat Buyer's Guide can be found at www.heattreatbuyersguide.com. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. And I'm Bethany Leone. Thank you for listening. <laughs>